Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in to the latest tech news, products, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And this week we have sort of a special episode for you. There has been so much news since our brief hiatus on the podcast. We're back, baby. We're back and we're doing a news-focused episode covering all the latest tech that has been announced, I think, in the last three weeks since we last recorded. Right, Gabe? Yes. These are, you know, we took our hiatus perfectly timed with the hottest, beginning of the hottest news cycle and um, release calendar period for tech. And tech-tember. Tech-tember, exactly. It's, you know, it went into full swing er, a little bit early in some ways, but also I feel like they, it was also a little late because Labor Day was so late. So they really didn't kick it off until this last week. When you got all the news about, you know, the Apple. Or, well, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we're gonna, well, so let's just outline this episode. So for the audience, we're going to be covering the news topics in this Pinch to Zoom episode. We're talking wireless. We're talking mobile phones, tablets, and wearable devices. We're going to be talking a little bit about gaming. We had exciting announcements there. And some photo video products as well as some drone news. Yeah, That's we're, scrapping, we're scrapping all of our usual stuff because there's just so much news. It's this huge tsunami, and we're like, all right, we have to take this on eventually. We're, we're grabbing our we're surfboards, be, and we're yeah. going to ride this wave. That's we're going to ride it, exactly. There we go. We're embracing it. We're going full on with this. And then we're also going to have a bonus episode, actually, on next week uh, next for week, an Apple Tuesday? event that's coming up. I think I think it's Tuesday, September Tuesday, 15th. Yep. Tuesday, September 15th. We'll have it then. I'm just going to tease it up front here rather than when we later talk about the Apple Smart uh, move. So, so get subscribed on your favorite podcast player of choice, whether you're on Spotify, yeah. Apple Podcasts, or more. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be an exciting week next week. But for now, let's just dive into this episode. Yeah. Uh, first so, up. Right I, off the bat, mobile. Mobile. Wireless I, area. I want to talk about wireless. Uh, this isn't really news, but just kind of a PSA. Uh, so if you're a Verizon customer, Verizon has added protection to help protect you against SIM swapping hacks within the mobile application. It's called Number Lock, and this just, again, helps deter hackers from porting your number out without your knowledge or consent. Um, And T-Mobile offers something called No Port. You do need to contact T-Mobile support to get this feature enabled. Again, just trying to help deter hackers from stealing your phone number. That's my PSA. Gabe, let's dive into the mobile phones. I like to live on the edge. I kind of like to let hackers just, you know, have fun with my information at will. You know, you just post your passwords and usernames oh, online yeah. to see what happens. Your social security number makes life more exciting, honestly. You know, someone else has been running my Twitter account for the past three years now, and I think they're doing a oh, great yeah. job. They really are, honestly. I, I, if you look back in the tweets, like three years ago, not very good. Now, oh, it's gotten so much better. So <laughs> Thank hats you, off Gabe. to them. Yeah, but that's that's it for wireless news. Let's go on to actually mobile um, and talk about all the exciting stuff we got. First off, I, honestly, the, the thing that's a bit sad is the Surface Duo. Yeah, you, you want know, to talk about that? Yeah, I guess. Let's get it out of the way. So we were very excited about this. We've talked about it a bunch. It launched, and we you know detailed all the yesterday, specs and stuff. Actually, it came out officially yesterday. Okay, but September it launched. 10. It actually officially went on sale yesterday. But now um, we were always saying that, you know, all right, you know, the specs aren't that great, but it's the, you know, experience, the UI and unfortunately, it looks like also that is potentially not the best because that is early flat in its face. Yeah, early reviews are saying really buggy, you know, 
not not good and so let's we can chalk a lot of it off i think off to first generation issues right yeah so this is microsoft's first time building an android device right we got to give microsoft a lot of credit for that um and you know they weren't really known for their renowned success in windows phone uh so you know i'll cut them some slack here but to your point yeah we're hearing reviewers mention that the software experience was a lot worse than they were expecting and this is disappointing. Uh, and Microsoft actually released a day one patch for this product. But keep in mind that the review units everyone had already had this patch on it. So everything you hear about in the reviews will be present when you go and purchase this device. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is disappointing for me. Our previous episode, we talked about Apple's folding phone and what that would look like. And we were predicting it would look like a Surface Duo kind of design so i i don't know what to think at this point i think well i I think we could have been right actually i you you know because what apple's doing is they're letting microsoft go ahead (laughs) make all these mistakes really super buggy software while apple's just you know diligently working away doing tons of you know beta focus group testing or whatever they're doing in their secret rooms getting their crack marketing team together and then maybe they'll release it or if it's just an unsuccessful you know type of fad then they just miss out on it and don't have to worry about all the R&D they spent. It's Though true. I did I, actually, I did actually, sorry, just hear a rumor that uh, Apple ordered a bunch of foldable displays uh, from Samsung. I heard that too. And I don't know what that means because does that mean they're going to be going more of the Fold 2 approach with a hinge device with a, you know, like a Potentially, tablet? yeah, right. We'll have to see what that means. Uh, I guess some final thoughts for me on Surface Duo. I think the hardware is incredible. Like the Hinge team knocked it out of the park. This is a premium device. Uh, Unfortunately, it's held back by the buggy software. The good news is that can be fixed. And I think as the year progresses, we'll see this product category become a little bit more refined and we'll see how people use it. Like Microsoft is positioning this as a business focused, multitasking productivity tool. I think we have yet to see how this pans out for them. But I'm already excited for the Duo 2 and the other dual screen device. I can't remember the name of it right now, but the more of the tablet, the Neo, Neo. the Surface Neo. Yeah, I I think also, did we see that, was it Samsung was going to be releasing a folding? I saw some rumor about that too. Uh, not really concrete on that. Anyways, though, if you were tired of folding devices, right, and you already were like, this is too boring now, you know, these folding screens, I want something that's two screens but different well lg has got you covered there in spades we saw this uh leak out some rumors and some photos of it and it's called uh, is this actually the official name official or, name lg confirmed uh, okay. september 6th i believe yeah so th- it's called the lg wing and it's you know the best way you want to describe it yeah yeah so all right you're gonna take you're gonna take your smartphone and then you're going to take your friend's phone and put it behind your phone. So you got two phones. Then you're going to take your phone on top and you're going to swivel it up so it looks like it's a T. So you have your phone that's in a T and then you have your friend, the bottom part of your friend's phone poking behind it. It's, it looks like a T. Like the Is front a, display not pivots a upwards. It's more that's like, totally a or T. I guess it, it's like a T on its side. Nice. Right. So you're looking at the phone at a different orientation. Okay. Got you. Yep. I see. So yeah, if yeah, you so turn this, it one way, it's a T. The other way, it's a T on its side. What well, the mechanism that's happening here is the main display 
is pivoting up so it rotates 90 degrees and moves to the top of the device. And this allows a secondary display to poke out underneath it. And that's where you get this T-shaped phone. And then as Gabe was talking about, if you were to rotate this entire device 90 degrees or 180 degrees, like you get different configurations where it looks like you have a secondary display possibly off to the right side or the left side, or maybe you have a tiny display kind of above the main display. It's a two-screened sliding device. What do you think about what LG is doing here, Gabe? I, um, boy, it is, it's interesting. I'll give them that. But I feel like I could just make that with two phones myself, you know, just tape them together and boom, there it is. And I almost feel like I've actually done this with either two phones or possibly with an iPad mini and a phone, just like, you know, I'm watching something on my iPad mini on the YouTube player or whatever. And then I also have my phone like set over the right side of it. And I'm texting someone on that or looking at sure, something online. Sure. Yeah, I think honestly that LG is experimenting with a crazy new form factor and design. I don't know if there's a legitimate usability case here. I don't know if this is going to make anything better. I don't know if durability will be compromised by having a sort of swiveling hinged mechanism. Yeah. And I don't know what apps are going to support it. I think that's the biggest thing we're starting to see with uh, the Surface Duo and even with the Galaxy Z Fold 2 and possibly this LG Wing is that app developers need to optimize their apps for these new, crazy, wild form factor devices. That takes a lot of time and development energy. It's hard to say what apps will be optimized for this. And, you know, it, if any at all, like it's just so different. It's kind of hard to see how it'll that's, be used. That's, maybe that's possibly why they're releasing these devices now. They're trying to get ahead of it so they can get their app developers, you know, already working on ways to integrate it and use it. You know, kind of like how Apple put the LiDAR sensor in their iPad Pro this past spring. They're sure. putting out the hardware, even though it's ahead of its time, so that the uh, developers can get, you know, their hands around it, figure out how it could be used, how it can be useful and such. The thing I think will be very, you know, make or break for this product is the price. Because as we've seen with these phones, uh, you know, the Surface Duo was relatively cheap at only 1400 and But now that Galaxy Z Fold 2 comes out with a price of $2,000, like, you might love how good the phone looks and everything about it. And the specs, you know, Z Fold 2 is incredible, how many cameras it has on there, how much, you know, the quality, everything. But for $2,000, you know, if the, if the wing is... 1600 are you going to get it really are you going to spend that much money on what is essentially you know first gen beta product right what price point do you think they have to hit to make this product be more of a success they really have to get really close to what a flagship phone goes for so i agree i'm thinking 1200 1300 yeah 1200's probably going to be what it is yeah but no no if if it could hit 1200 i think it would be good but i have a feeling it's going to be more like 1500 more like the z flip or the motorola razor one razor yeah. yeah we'll have to wait and see on that the announcement is scheduled for september 14th 10 a.m eastern standard time a little bit of goodness before the apple keynote on tuesday a little and bit of goodness a little bit of i don't know weirdness weirdness wingness wing yeah, yeah. I <laughs> uh, gave you had brought up the Galaxy Z Fold 2. Uh, that's going coming out September 18th. You want to touch on that for a little bit? What what have been impressions? What are people saying about it? Well, we had another unpacked. Samsung wasn't done unpacking. They grabbed another box 
and they then unpacked the Z Fold 2, which speaking of unpacking, they, they designed, I guess you're paying $2,000, so they figure, all right, let's go above and beyond on the unboxing experience. And the box itself is like, it's like a Z Fold 2 almost in it, the way it folds out and everything. But, you know, so they're really trying to push that it's a premium pro product. And as I said, for $2,000, it definitely fits that price tag. Um, well, wise. I don't know. Did you, did you hear that? They, so they're no longer including the Galaxy Buds in the box. They're losing out on some of the other included accessories like the case. I, well, I'm saying it's a premium product in that it the price tag. But I was but I was what I was going to say is does it actually fit it as far as features and what you get for that price? Well, what do you think? I think no, it doesn't at this point. The only thing it fits is that it's, you know, early adapter status. And if you want to Yeah, if you want to be the the friend who flips out a Z Fold 2, and is and all your friends are like whoa what is that or you know be, like want to be the type of person that you know is w maybe using your phone and sets in and I come up to you and like yo is that the Z Fold two like which I've done with several people not using Z I haven't seen actually a, a Galaxy Fold or any folding device in the wild I've seen the what is it the red phone the red oxygen yeah I saw that in the wild and that was a big one for me to see, literally I think it's the red one. hydrogen hydrogen yeah that's what it was. But, you know, no, I don't think it's a premium uh, device. I did see that they announced that you would get a one-time screen replacement. Uh, I saw that, 149 Yeah. So that's that's helpful considering that all the phone pretty much is is screen, you know. I think that's um, a nice touch. I think it is priced for the tech enthusiast right now, which makes sense. It's the target market. Uh, but it is, you know, it's a. I think it's a polished device. I mean... The improvements Samsung made here are remarkable from the Fold to the Z Fold 2 because we now have glass on the internal display. They removed the huge camera notch. We now have a single hole punch camera on the inside. We have a great triple camera setup on the outside. The external display went from being this tiny little thing to like actually usable as a display. Uh, and it's packing the latest specs, unlike the Microsoft Duo. So you're looking at... Um, you support for 5G, thanks to the Snapdragon 865, 12 gigs of RAM, 4,500 milliamp hour battery. And yeah, it's it's basically packing the thing is, the, the, the battery is smaller than that of the Samsung, uh, I want to say S20 Ultra or the whatever the top Could, one. Like the Note 20 Ultra? No, no, the, Sam, the Galaxy S20. Really, the S, the S20 Ultra? the top of the line well is it the ultra 5g i don't know whatever the whatever the most expensive s20 phone that has a bigger battery i'm pretty sure i think it has like almost 50 almost 5000 milliamp also hours. doesn't fold yeah true so i don't know that'll be interesting to see uh how this one does i still think if you know you're if you're buying a phone which is something you use every day you mainly want it for the use right like you yeah, don't want I, it you don't want it just to be cool oh wow look how awesome this is Depends who you are. I think for the I average guess. person, this needs to drop in price. An interesting take is the current, or I guess the previous gen Galaxy Fold, I think is going, you can find it used for around 1200 bucks, depending on where you're looking, which is kind of like- I would not want that phone used, considering how many <laughs> that, problems it had. the one phone you don't yeah, want to buy used. Pretty much. But so. my point is that in a year, this device could drop pretty significantly on the used market if you're interested. True, true. Potentially. All right, let's keep moving on. Uh, do you want to just go through these next before we get to the Apple event, which is the big thing we want to talk about? 
Do you want to just blow through these uh, other two phones that we had, the Motorola phones? Yeah, so uh, some Motorola news. We have the Motorola Razr 5G. This is a vertical flippy phone available this fall for 1400 bucks, same as the Surface Duo. Second gen, it's got a larger exterior display, much better for handling notifications. You can have a music player, and you even get a full QWERTY keyboard if you're absolutely feeling crazy. It also supports that sub-6 5G for support on AT&T and T-Mobile's 5G networks. Packing 8 gigs of RAM, Snapdragon 765G, 48 megapixel camera on the back, 20 megapixel front-facing shooter, and the fingerprint reader got improved. Instead of being on the side, it is now on a little dimple in the back, which is much, much nicer. But of course, with these folding devices, you miss out on some of the flagship specs. No wireless charging, no IP ratings for dust or water resistance, and you're missing out on the wide angle and telephoto cameras. So I don't know, for me, the folding devices are a novelty that I think the tech community loves because they love technology and the innovations these products offer. But for a consumer use case, I really don't see these expensive folding devices offering a true advantage over just a refined flagship smartphone. Like the, the flagships are offering the image quality and the battery life, the two yeah. and the performance, like the most important Reliability things people too. want. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's the Razer 5G uh, coming this fall. And they also have a Moto G9. This is just like an enormous phablet budget phone. It's got a 6.8 inch display and a massive battery. It's bigger and heavier than the Note 20 Ultra, starting for $470. The battery is pretty great on that phone, though, I've heard. Coming right. soon, yeah. Yeah. So th that was Motorola's announcements that they had. Now let's get to the thing that, of course, as Apple fanboys, uh, I don't well, maybe not official Apple fanboys, but getting pretty close, uh, that we care about a bunch, and that is the Apple event. So it was actually rumored that they were going to just launch something on uh, September 8th. Yeah, I think Turns we saw out, this from John Prosser on Twitter. Yeah. It was like September Turns out 8th. his sources were wrong, uh, apparently, because nothing launched. All that did launch was the announcement for the event that's happening a week later. This and is true. Yeah, that is the event we're doing a bonus episode on. That will be September 15th on a Tuesday. We'll get up as soon as we can. I'm going to be driving cross-country. So I'll be about in this Wisconsin by that point, I think. And I'll be, you know, making sure I lock down in a hotel or wherever so I can get some good internet some and we nice can record cheese, that. Wisconsin local cheese. I don't think, crackers. oh yeah, be eating some cheese curds squeaking on the podcast <laughs> and such. Yeah, so what do we think we're going to see at that event? Are we going to see the iPhone 12? Are we going to see, what are we going to see? This has been such a mixed bag, I feel like, in the community. We're seeing reports left and right. My personal opinion is this is going to be an Apple Watch and iPad event the invitation itself said time flies that's a hint at apple watch so we're going to be seeing apple watch series 6 we're going to see new ipads possibly the new ipad mini we're going to see kind of streaming services and gaming services updates uh, there's actually a leak i saw that code in the apple music app for android hinted at an apple one streaming service so an all-encompassing service well, that subscription offered, service not yeah, streaming service excuse yeah. me subscription service that encompassed like Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade, iCloud Drive, things like that into just one bundled subscription. How, do we have any leaks on pricing for that cuz I think that's going to be very interesting how much they price that at. 
yeah, I what's mean, the saving? It, you know? It's really going to depend what the everything includes. I think I would guess it's going to be twenty five dollars a month. I think that's that's my pretty guess. good pretty good price. Like just sounds good, and you figure all right. So they Apple Music. What's is that? Fifteen ninety nine. Fifteen. Fifteen for 15, family. Okay, but just for person, isn't it? Is it eight ninety nine or is it four ninety nine? Four ninety nine for student. Nine ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. So then Apple TV eventually is going to be. Is that also nine ninety nine? I think that's four ninety nine. Four ninety nine, and then arcade is also four ninety nine. I don't know if they'll include arcade. Honestly, that seems like they'd probably keep that separate. Well, they may just like throw it into the bundle because yeah. I think people are like, if this delivers a good value, it's there if you want it. People may not take advantage of it. I don't know. Just yeah, I see. I see it more as them trying to push their core services. So you know, the iCloud push. Maybe uh, a terabyte or something. Oh, okay. Let's just sidebar. Uh, let's really hope that they update their storage options, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because the fact that it goes from 50 gigabytes to 200 gigabytes, and then does it go to two terabytes or does it go to a terabyte after? I think it goes it's right to It's a terabyte. Two... No, no, no. It goes to two terabytes. It goes to two terabytes, right? For 9.99. Yep. I think that's insane. Apple, what are you doing? Because right now I keep running in. I'm at two, 200 gigabytes. And I keep just hitting that wall and having to like, all right, what am I going to do now? Let me get creative. And I know that they're eventually going to have to update their plan. So I don't want to start paying more. And right, right. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe I, I'll get lucky. So, yeah, no, your, but it, yeah. yeah, it looks like Apple smartwatch uh, series six um, and then uh, the iPad air. Uh, it doesn't look like we'll see a pro or a mini, right? I think. I don't know. I think we'll have to wait and see for that. Really, what I think is happening is the iPhone models are delayed this year. I think there's going to be a separate event in October covering everything we need to know about that. Uh, So next week, expect Apple Watch and iPad. That's my take. And possibly there's other rumors out there for Apple devices, possibly the tags we've heard a lot about. Yeah. Potentially, which would be something that compete with tiles. But I think if I understand right, essentially what they'd also be is you could actually, using AR, like you could hold up your phone or whatever device and look around the room and it would actually show through your camera where that thing was. So cool. That, so Yeah, cool. that would be really awesome. And really, honestly, one of the better Im- implementations of AR that we'll have seen to date, if that's what they're actually doing. We'll have to see. We also could see an AirPod update potentially or the what is it? what do they call them whatever it would be it would be the apple branded over ear headphones basically yes yes uh, i've heard rumors about those like months ago six months ago yeah. or something and maybe even some update on potentially an arm laptop or something like that i would love to see that as i don't well. know there's a lot of the, there's a lot for them to talk about uh it really depends on how they're going to break it down what are they going to push to the iphone event in october and what are they going to do now but i'm excited when uh, it's my birthday that day too so i'm hoping i figure right if your birthday's on the same day as the event they give you one of everything for free right yeah i'm guessing a dedicated shout out too i expect yeah, just a yeah, gabe shakur so slide thank, i'll just i'll just thank him in advance thank you apple i really appreciate it <laughs> when <laughs> do you think present. ios 14 is gonna launch uh usually don't they do like a day or two after right or no they it's usually it. like a week a week after and then the the devices go on sale at the same time pretty much kind of yeah i think it's usually like the week before the devices launch 
Yeah. So they have they have the announcement on Tuesday. It's usually that Friday, Friday when the, the software is available. Yeah. But they also usually do it for the iPhone event. Do you think they'll release it after this huh, interesting. event for the iPad? No, I think they'll release uh yeah, I think they'll release iOS before the iPhone event. Honestly. I think so too. I think these new iPads and Apple Watch will ship with the latest software. Yeah, and hey, give people, you know, a new iOS for their iPhone and they'll be like, "Oh, cool." And they'll then by the time the new iPhone event rolls around, they'll, you know, their phone will start feeling even less new. They, <laughs> yeah. It'll feel new for a month and yeah. then it'll be like, "Wait a minute, it's still the old phone again." And they'll be yeah. ready to upgrade. Exactly. Perfectly timed. Get it right where you want them, Apple. So, yeah, tune in on Tuesday for that full update and discussion on the Apple event. Moving on, uh, let's go on to some mobile software. Big news talking about iOS. Well, the flip side of the iOS, I guess. Flip side or I don't opposite. know, whatever. I'm... Opposite of that. Yeah. Android 11. Yeah, that can actually out. come out. Um, I'm going to defer to you on this because I right now do not own an Android device. So I really have no feeling for what this does. I did hear supposedly something about wireless CarPlay coming maybe in future iterations. I don't think that was this uh, one. But yeah, what does this mean for Android device owners? Sure. So Android 11 came out September 8th. It's currently available now for Pixel 2, 3, 3A, 4, 4A, and all the XL models of those. And it's coming to other devices soon. Uh, Probably, I want to say like OnePlus. Those, Those devices are usually pretty good at software updates. Uh, Samsung fans, like, good luck. Maybe in a couple of years, we'll see what happens. Though I did hear, didn't Samsung recently? Did they say that they just con- um, confirmed that they were going to be, or what was it? Said that they were going to do like three years of software updates. Guaranteed. Yeah, well, software updates doesn't necessarily mean Android 11. Like, this can be Samsung pushing updates. Mm, true. Yeah, that is that is true. Maybe I think maybe this was a. a um, poll that some w- a website did like android authority or someone like that where they asked viewers like how many or readers how many of you would consider switching to android or going with or samsung sorry if they uh agreed to or like you know promised that they would do three years of uh regular android updates and then five years of security and it was like 98 percent would hey samsung heavily up the game on yeah. the on the software for anyone who does get android 11 there is a new conversations notification section. So when you pull down your notification shade, the first section at the top is dedicated for conversation apps, messages, notifications. You also get chat bubbles. This brings Facebook's chat heads to all your messaging applications like Telegram and messages uh, so you can easily stay in touch with your friends. There's a new native screen reader, easier to use media controls, and a new smart home control menu. When you press and hold on the power button, you get the Android Pay and also your new smart control, smart home control menu, which is pretty cool. There's the ability to give one-time permissions to apps to use your camera, microphone, or location data. This is really cool if you want to be more privacy focused, but the app needs certain access to function properly. You can do one-time use. Next time you open the app, you'll have to reapprove it. There's a new improved screenshot UI, and there's a native screen recording app built in, and there's plenty more which you can find on the official Google release notes page. Uh, so just find out more. But those those were the highlight items. Overall, Google working to improve their operating system and experience. On another note, Android 11 Go 
the lighter version of Android designed for budget phones. Uh, that also launched yesterday, September 10th, and it now launches apps 20% faster, along with some other improvements. So good news for the Android community. Yeah, I. why did Android get away from uh, the... L- interesting names and just go to like complete numbers and boring i think people didn't understand like yeah, they like r- ran out of like they wait, realized wait they were gonna run out well is lollipop better than marshmallow <laughs> i just i just don't think people understood the generation like what was new and what True. was old and the numbers is just well if it's a bigger number it's better so i guess that makes sense but it is kind of sad because i always liked you know guessing it was so fun trying to figure out what the uh, latest, you know, one would be named, and it makes more sense than Mac OS just being a random. All right, is it? Are they still doing, you know, California national parks right now, or what are they doing? They were cat, right? They were There's cats. no progression. Dogs. At least Android was alphabetically moving through snacks, desserts specifically. Desserts, sorry, yes. So that's sad, but yes, at least we have a new Android operating system. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, because usually. I thought when you were mentioning that like UI around screen recording and stuff that it was a lot of stuff that actually Apple has done in iOS when usually it's the other way around where, yeah, you know, Apple is putting stuff in way after Android has. It's true. I mean, screen recording has been available on different Android phones built in for a while. Now it's just officially built into the operating system, which is kind of nice. But even like the one time permissions, isn't that already coming with iOS 14? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. But pretty pretty yeah, similar. So, so that was it for Android. Um, we also did see Huawei. This is, yeah, I mean, this ha- is honestly very exciting. I think because you know it's been pretty stagnant since Windows uh, Phone OS, you know, went RIP, and we've just had iOS Android. You know, it's a duality right here, or not? It's a duopoly they call it. And now we potentially, because of Trump and the United States government's ban on Huawei interacting with any U.S. company, mainly, obviously, Google, uh, they have had to go a different route and create their own software or their phones, their own operating systems. So it's called Harmony OS, uh, and it looks like it could be shipping out in 2021. Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, so uh, they already have the operating system running for smartwatches, car head units, and TVs, and we could see phones running Harmony OS as early as 2021. And this would include the own app, their own app store. I think it has like 96,000 apps at this point. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice to see the competition, to be honest. And, you know, I do wish Huawei well. They they do make some really cool products. Yeah, I mean, this whole... I'm not, I'm not even going to get into the whole, like, China-US rhetoric and everything. I honestly think what you want for a political thing or geopolitical, you know, whatever. But from a tech standpoint, it I don't think it really helps the consumer to have all these trade barriers going up and restrictions, but this potentially forcing them to make their own operating system could actually help the consumer if U.S. Uh, people in the United States are allowed to buy their products this on is, places like other than black those, market. Yeah, we'll have to wait yeah. and see on this again. Yeah. I think it'll really do well uh, kind of in China and that area and demographic. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. All right, well, moving on, uh, we have some quick audio news, honestly, not a lot. Thought we'd have more, right? Are we missing something? Beats? No, they didn't release anything. Uh, Sennheiser, no, no new headphones, no new Audio Technica. Yeah. So the only thing we really had was Bose announcing what I th- I think should be considered a joke, but three pairs of their new Frame Audio sunglasses. 
which are these just essentially sunglasses that have also have a speaker built in like people do know you can wear headphones with sunglasses right like, yeah well i don't know like interesting take so the sunglasses are using bone conducting technology and i actually have a pair of bone conducting yeah. headphones the shoot i forget the name of them they're the well all right i can't remember but the the technology is cool because you can hear your music while still retaining full awareness of your outside surroundings uh, and this can make the the glasses or the headphones great for exercising, running outdoors, biking, things like that. And the fact that they are built into sunglasses may make them a little bit easier to wear with like a bike helmet or things like that. Uh, but yeah, to Gabe's point, like <laughs> these are kind of a joke of a product. I don't know. Well, okay. I kindly, I, now I actually do kind of partly take back what I said because I do see this working towards... I've talked about it before, my thought that in the future, we're all just going to be walking around with assistance um, in our headphones, but this would work because it frees up our ears for actually listening and, you know, headphones don't have to do the piping in the outer, out, outside noise type thing, which, you know, uses up a ton of battery life. And instead you can use these bone conducting, not headphones, but sunglasses in this case, and still, you know, have access to potentially, uh, you know, your smart assistant if you want. While you're walking it, around it's it is really cool technology even i don't know if sunglasses is the right form for it maybe it is what i will say is the first time i put them on uh, and i was playing music i thought it was coming out of my phone speaker like it just sounded like it was part of the world it's kind of and like I, open ear headphones yeah have, open yeah. ear and exactly and then i realized oh wait the headphones are actually working so yeah. i enjoy them uh particularly for running and hearing the traffic and cars passing me uh, but yeah, for two hundred fifty dollars, I think these are kind of expensive. Yeah, because what if what if you don't want to wear headphones but want to still use them? <laughs> I mean, wear glasses but don't want to use them. Or if you want to just listen to music and not yeah. have glasses on. Yeah. Like if you go shopping at a grocery store, all of a sudden you're just that person wearing sunglasses inside <laughs> yeah. everywhere because you don't have another pair of headphones because you spent yeah. two hundred fifty on. Yeah, they're a bit crazy. The more important things is we did see that they launched what people are calling their challenger uh to the airpods pro which is the quiet comfort earbuds i'd be very curious yeah. to try these out yeah they have anc so that noise canceling and they look i would say they look pretty good i've never actually tried their quiet comfort earbuds but i generally think they're not as they're not as good looking as the what like the galaxy buds or Galaxy Beans or even the Pixel Buds. I I don't know. They're very still very clunky. I thought the previous generation because my friend had them and I tried them. Those were clunky. They stuck out of your ears quite a lot. They didn't really have the electronics and the stem like the AirPods Pro did. Uh, but I enjoyed the sound quality that Bose typically offers. So I'd be very curious to try these out in person, hear how they sound and maybe see how they look once people get their hands on them and can show them off. True. Yeah, well, those are things you wear in your ear, but we also got some things you wear on your wrist and, uh, well, mainly wrist, I guess. I don't know where else you... They don't really have wearables for... Well, I guess the we have the Amazon Ring thing and the... Well, I now we also have... actually. Yeah, now we actually have the Amazon uh, Halo, which is the uh, fitness subscription platform but it pairs with the uh, what is is it the tone? No, sorry, that's their. What's the wristband called or whatever? 
the Halo. The Halo Band. Halo. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Which, I don't know. How, first off, how do you feel about giving your health data to Amazon? This is actually, I'm usually okay with it. I am less inclined to give my health data to Amazon as a company. I feel much more comfortable with Apple. And for whatever reason, I feel much more comfortable with Google. Uh, but Amazon, it just feels weird to me. And like, I, I don't feel like they make a lot of products. Like their Fire tablets and Fire phones. I, I don't feel like those have been particularly good. So I'd kind of question this device, how it integrates with other devices. Uh, but yeah, this is this is the Halo Band for $100, which requires a subscription, which is four bucks a month. Yes, and one of the, or two of the big headline features are, uh, analyzes the tone of your voice to like figure out how positive you are, which this is something that, oh boy, like what if they can tell you you're feeling really positive and then they figure, oh, if we tell people they're feeling positive, they're more likely to spend money or the inverse. And so we can recommend them stuff that we know that they like when they we know they're feeling positive or right i don't know it's they can do a lot of stuff with the data the other thing that this one does is you can also take pictures of yourself and then it will tell you your uh, body body mass index after analyzing this in the cloud that's like, that's the flag uh, right there where i'm just yeah. like Woo. this product Uh-oh. is going a little bit too far for my comfort yeah i'm i mean it seems it does seem a little cool that they can do that but also do you really want them to do that? And like this, otherwise this, um, the band, the halo band isn't really much to look at. Like it's pretty simple. So I guess they'd be going after people who mainly want those two features. I can kind of see how the wearable health market could expand given that more people at home, uh, you're going to doctor's offices or health offices less frequently. So I could, I could see a potential market. I'm just not sure if this is the product. I think it's really weird sending in pictures of your body to, to get your BMI. And I, I don't like the subscription model. Like I feel like I have enough subscriptions already and an extra four bucks to get my health data. Just, it feels weird. I much rather- I wonder. Yeah. Um, look, thinking like future wise, you know, there's that, what is that device? The, is it just called Mirror? Yeah, I think, I think you're right, yeah. Mirror. Like I could see a future where Amazon or some other companies releases stuff like that, where it's like, it's a mirror and you know, you go in front of it every morning, it's giving you your weather and stuff. It's also taking photos of you and seeing, all right, you know, how healthy you look, what's your you know, what is, skin, what's his skin complexion, mood? personality. Oh, it looks like you need a haircut. I'll schedule one in, you know, like stuff like that. Uh, you know, calculating your BMI, all sorts of things, right? Posture. And then being able to spit out because basically what tech companies do is they figure out ways to monetize um, and offer services by collecting huge amounts of data. It's true. Or it's, some of the in the case of are App- really cool too. In the case of Apple, they don't really they don't really do that. Well, they do, but they don't share your data with anyone else. Is what they do. That's why they charge like six hundred bucks for their Apple money. Watch, yeah, as opposed to a hundred bucks. So because I, they're they're not piggybacking off, you know, you know, like Google is turning around selling your data or Amazon, so they can offer their devices they're super cheap. And really, it's they're not necessarily always selling your data, but they're using it for targeting. Like they're leveraging. Want, it. Yeah, you want to target someone in this weight class who may be looking to reduce weight or or be healthier. Yeah. Then yeah. boom, we have like this target demographic using yeah, our that, band. That's, that's a very good uh, correction because yeah, they're not turning around and just selling your data on the open market like 
so that anyone can access it. They're putting it into, you know, their platform that offers ads or other forms of targeting. Exactly. For selling and stuff. So yeah, that was the ish kind of wearable. The more interesting ones are Fitbit, who, uh, if you don't know, I am uh, still a Fitbit user. Maybe I'll get the Apple smartwatch this year. We'll Next find week. out in, Please. Yeah, in a, a couple days. I, if you don't know, last year I ordered the uh, Apple uh, Watch 5, uh, Series 5, picked it up from Best Buy, and I started seeing, seeing a lot of bad reviews, and I was like, yeah, maybe I don't get it this year, and returned it promptly like three days later. So. <laughs> Much to my disappointment. I was this, so ready. Yeah. This year, I think I'm going to be getting it opening it up and then returning it and taking a $35 hit on the return fee even because I didn't want it that much still yet. Baby steps, Gabe. Baby steps. Yeah. We're almost there. But in the meantime, you could upgrade to one of these Fitbits. That have is true. Have you seen what they're offering? Yeah. Well, right now I do have the Fitbit uh, Charge 3 or no, Charge 4 now I think I have. And these new ones are more smartwatch type except for the Inspire, which honestly I don't really want to talk about. Uh, so the main thing it's is we not got inspiring the, for you. It's not very inspiring at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm counter counterintuitive to its name, but so we got the biggest one. Obviously, obviously is the Versa Three, which is as the name suggests, it's the third Versa that we've got, and this has been their big smartwatch up until this point. But maybe even bigger, we also got a new whole new line of smartwatches, the Sense. Yeah, and, and this is this is actually the this is their flagship. flagship. Yeah, yeah. What so is this the, is what, yeah, what's, what's interesting th- is they went from with the Versa, which the which is their previous flagship. They then were like, "All right, let's go one up above that and do a new flagship." So uh, I mean, you get a nice AMOLED screen, you get a be- built-in GPS, you get they're saying right now it's about six days battery life or more from a single charge. Which, come on, Apple, I know your your watch does a lot more, but can you get at least close to this in some way? That's all I'm asking. Um. But uh, the other thing is it does have contactless payment and then stuff like Spotify, Pandora for listening on the go. Um, Yeah. It also has some new uh, metrics it it takes measures of. So you have atrial fibrillation detection via an ECG app, skin temperature, and stress level tracking via an EDA app. So some new health metrics to complement your new smart Fitbit Sense. And it looks, what do you think looks wise? What do you think of it? I think these watches look great. I mean, it's kind of, it reminds me a lot of the Apple watch. Um, It's a little bit round. Well, I guess I have the old square one, Uh, but yeah, it reminds me of the Apple watch. I think it's a good, clean look, basically as good as you can get for a smartwatch. And for anyone who's, you know, on Android, because these will work for Android. I think these are going to be fantastic fitness companions. Well, they work with iOS too, but just they don't integrate as well. Yeah, that's like... The big thing I love about my Apple Watch is the activity app, being able to close my activity rings, get notifications when my friends are closing activity rings. Seeing well, you know, Fitbit does them. offer all that. I as just found the like, ecosystem. Not in, in different ways, but some, I mean, some would argue that the Fitbit one is better because people don't have to have, they could have Android or iOS or not even, a, I guess you still need some sort of phone. Can you sync with your computer? I'm not really even sure. I hope not. That would be so archaic. But anyways, like my dad, for example, you know, he's older. He's not as techy. He doesn't maybe have as many friends that use smartwatches like the Apple Watch or, you know, different Android ones. So having a Fitbit, you know, he has, honestly, he's probably too obsessed with it. He uses it too much. But it's the type of thing that keeps him active because, you know, he can do these little competitions like, 
you know, completing so many steps or so many hours of activity and stuff. And it's honestly, I think it's actually a more Fitbit's put more time into their like social network of the, on their fitness app or their app, than you know, Apple's just kind of more just your friends. I would be very curious. It is true with Apple. You, you have to have them as your friends, your contact. There's no yeah. public platform. Yeah. I'd exactly. still be curious to know the number of Apple watch users compared with the number of Fitbit users and how I compare. would guarantee there's more Apple, uh, more Fitbit users. I'm seeing if Google has the answer. Okay. I, you know, I almost would, you know, cause it has to be, cause it's the same reason why there's more Android users than, I don't know, because in, in Apple's presentation, they said Apple watch is now the number one watch in the world. It's the is number Fitbit- one. Well, it's because they only sell one watch. Fitbit sells like eight different devices at a time. So, you know, and, and you can use the Fitbit connect or whatever the app is, no matter which one you use. So I guess it's true. I'd still it, be curious to know. It's the reason why the iPhone is the best-selling phone in the world and not, you know, something. They only make right, no, one. They only make one, exactly. Meanwhile, Huawei and Samsung are the top two phone manufacturers as far as numbers go. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, I, I, right. Yeah, I would go Fitbit, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. And if someone, if someone knows that, correct us on Twitter please, or wherever. Please, please. I'm, I'm so interested. That's uh, me to be And wrong. I guess... The other, the other uh, notes we have here for Apple Watch, speaking of my favorite watch Looping that I use, back. jumping back to it, we could see a budget, quote-unquote, Apple Watch SE on Apple's September 15th event, and Google Maps is coming back to Apple Watch. I know that it was, um, it was took a three-year I really, I really missed it, I got to say. Yeah, Gabe, you and your Apple Watch over there. Yeah. All right, well, moving on to our favorite topic, gaming, which honestly... For this episode, it almost is my favorite topic because we had some huge gaming news. Let's just start with the biggest thing that I think was... please. Yeah, starting with Xbox and Microsoft. The announcement... Well, at first it was leaked, and then the just, all right, screw it, we're going to announce it, of the Xbox S Digital Edition. Is is that, that what they're calling it, right? I think it's just Xbox Series S. Series S, yeah. That's what, sorry, I meant. I left out the Series too many different things. But yeah, the Xbox Series S, and it's the all-digital version is what it is. That's correct. the Series X. And it it's amazing how much smaller it is, for one. That's that's the biggest it's thing. It's a third of the size. It's yeah. tiny. It can fit it looks in incredible. the other one. It can, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And compared to a PlayStation 5, I mean, this has got to be just so small. Yeah, I would, even though I do have some Xbox physical games still, I almost would think of, I don't know. I, I still think I if I would get back, I don't use any gaming hardware anyways. I don't game that often. But, you know, right now, it's kind of done this thing to me where I was before thinking PlayStation, but it's a bit like, oh, whatever is the most recent announcement, I kind of want that one. It's so easy to jump into this too because the Series S is starting at just $299 and it's offering up to 1440p gameplay at up to 60 frames per second. And then if you wanted to play at a lower resolution, you can even hit 120 frames per second for your game player. So you're getting super smooth games. This thing is coming with a 512 gigabyte SSD. Uh, You can expand it with a one terabyte expansion card if you'd like. And yeah, at $300. Yeah, that's the notable thing. Let's just put that out there. $300 versus, you know, essentially, it is, is the Xbox Series X, it's a little more powerful, right? 
it is uh, significantly more powerful. So you're looking yeah. at four teraflops for the Series S and 12.15 teraflop, teraflops for the Series X. Excuse yeah. me. So uh, basically, instead of 1440p on the Series S, the 4K. X offers 4K, uh, 60 frames per second, and then can also go up to 120 frames per second for slightly lower resolutions. So yeah, for $500, the Series X is, you know, it's a it's a price up price bump, but you're also getting the best of what Microsoft has to offer. But yeah, that Series S is coming in here at the sweet spot. And I think this is very strategic on Microsoft because Sony basically has their, the PS5, like that's it. They have the yeah. digital and they have the one with the well, disc. They, they could have more. We, d- we don't really know yet. We don't they know could, yet. They could have a little... Oh, what's this little PS5 up our sleeve here? You know, PS5 whatever we're going to call it. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, I think this is smart on Microsoft's part because they can now target uh, the game gamer enthusiasts who can pay the 500 bucks for the Series X and then more casual people where $300 for a console is so much more reasonable. Yeah. And the, what's super other, interesting... In, yeah, okay. Are we going to talk about the pricing? Yeah, Gabe, so... You know, if you didn't want to spend all this money up front, what is Microsoft doing? So on our slow march towards the subscription life, we have now gotten gaming consoles on the... Well, actually, it's, it's more lease-to-own type thing with this new plan they're announcing called Xbox All Access. And basically what it does is you get your new Xbox. So say you want to go with the uh, Series S or the Series X, and it's for 24 months. You're going to have to pay this per month of either $35 or $34.99 for the Series X or uh, $24.99 for the Series S. And what's big about this, right, is you're not just getting, uh, it's not just a payment plan for the console. You're also getting bundled in their Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which includes, it's really incredible how many games this thing includes. I think this is Uh, such a brilliant move from Microsoft because instead of selling a console, they're selling a gaming experience. What you're gaining access to is their platform. And you can enjoy this platform either on your new console or on your mobile phone or on your gaming PC. That's why well, they're basically they're basically upselling it, right? Because yeah, up exactly. until this point, a lot of times what people would do is they'd buy the console and then maybe they'd sign up for Game Pass for like they know like, oh, I'm gonna be at home on vacation uh, you know, this month for Christmas or the holidays, or maybe I get a couple weeks off here, I'm gonna be gaming a lot. And they just sign up for the Game Pass Ultimate for that one month and then cancel it after. So what they're doing here effectively is they are giving you a discount because I think, what, Game Pass Ultimate for 12 months or 24 months. I I think we should put air quotes on discount, but please continue. True, right? So Game Pass Ultimate for uh, 24 months, it's $15 a month. That'd be $360 plus um, $300 for the console. That'd be $660. Uh, and so you you would only pay six hundred dollars. So you're getting a sixty dollar discount, basically. But at the same time, instead of spending just three hundred dollars for the console and then you know sixty bucks for the games you wanted, you are now spending five hundred dollars for the console, and or I think you said what six hundred bucks? Yeah, six hundred dollars. Yeah, six hundred dollars. That's for the, for the Series console. S. Yeah. Yeah, for the console and the service. So instead of spending three hundred bucks you're doubling what you otherwise you're, would be you're spending. doubling it but if you're gonna if you're the type of person who's gonna you know subscribe to game pass ultimate anyways and then buy games as well this makes more sense because yeah, like 
like, is it worth it? Yeah, I think it's a great value, and it's super smart, and it's super clever, and people are leasing their phones, so why not a game console? Well, and it's not even leasing. It's, I would say it's, it's Renting more to own? No, buy to pay, pay, Like, lease to own type thing. It's a payment plan. Because, well, the difference is, I was actually thinking about this, right? Why aren't they offering just a lease and then oh, upgrade to the next one? Well, because uh, gaming consoles have a lot slower refresh cycles. So, you know... 24 months down the road, there's not going to necessarily be, or most likely won't be a new gaming console. Maybe it'll be a slight upgrade or update, but most likely it will still be the well, same. Well, I don't know. I think the other point to this is by having a monthly subscription, it could make it more easy for Microsoft to do more subtle updates. Like instead of doing a huge generational leap every five to 10 years, maybe every two to three years, we get just subtle improvements and they keep iterating and improving kind of well, on the. The main the main thing there is I think as far as gaming compatibility goes with their games that's why they don't do that that often I think right I see yeah yeah because yeah. then you have to optimize it for different systems exactly. that's that's the big uh, like big advantage that consoles have over PCs is that it's very standardized and because of that you know the developers can really optimize the games for the platform but speaking of PCs actually yeah. we got. Nvidia and I don't usually care about graphics cards you know I'm a Mac user I buy my computer all in one I don't even look at the internal specs other than like well, one time I buy it and then I don't care about them ever again but we got the new Nvidia uh, 30 series graphic cards and I'll let you talk about this I feel like you might know a little more about it than me but I watched IGN did a little thing on it and they were basically saying the entry level of these 30 series graphic cards has specs that are above what the previous generation had the the like the top of the line models that's correct like, even the lowest one that's going for $500 of the 30 series has specs above the $1200 one that used to be as of this like a month ago that's correct so Nvidia, which is insane was, the 2080 Ti was the flagship graphics card and now the entry level RTX 3070 for 500 bucks exceeds the performance levels of that card that's, that that's, is just that's, insane. What a generational leap. Basically, these cards, you know, I don't want to get too much into it because there are more gaming-focused channels with more knowledge and expertise than us. But my, my stool just completely collapsed. Sorry, we're leaving this in. Oh, no, Gabe, what? <laughs> I was like, this is insane. Um, My stool just completely collapsed that I was sitting on. I would usually cut this out, but... You don't get it's this happening in. very often. Live on so. the podcast. I thought you were like making snapping sounds because you had like a cat near you or something. <laughs> it could not handle the specs of the NVIDIA graphics card. It just collapsed my little sitting platform. It was nothing. overwhelmed. Keep talking though while I try to find some way to stand or sit. These cards can handle 8K gaming. And I think this also is tied closely with the next generation console release because really what you're getting here is the graphics cards for PC? I'm sorry, Gabe just had to leave. Anyway, these cards are for, for gaming PC enthusiasts where they can bring the next level of gaming to their PCs, support for 8K games on you know absolutely massive displays or 4K gaming at higher frame rates, which I think is even better. These are deliver a tremendous value, uh, great for gaming, video editing, graphic intensive tasks, if you're a PC enthusiast, check these out. Uh, these are epic. Yeah, I, I almost think, well, for the first time ever in my history of 
being a, a computer owning and working person, <laughs> um, I thought about maybe I should build my own PC because they look so exciting and they've become more affordable, like the specs you can get now with them. So very interesting. And we'll, we, I think this is the first time we've ever mentioned graphics cards really, except for like maybe one or two other times before on this correct. podcast. So you got, you know, it's got to be pretty monumental for us to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, that was the exciting news from there. One more little kind of gaming thing, but also kind of in the drone area, is we got something. Nintendo, I just got to say, they know how to do stuff that is uh, original. I would never... <laughs> other weird. companies, you might... It's weird. You, you might say other companies, you, uh, you can criticize for copying other ones and stuff. Nintendo is the one company you can never criticize for being a copycat. Like, Nintendo Labo, what what even is that, right? cardboard that you can game with like it's insane anyways what we got is we got mario kart uh brought to ar thanks to some little arse i I guess they're radio control well they're not actually radio controlled but they're wi-fi controlled essentially yes and they're physical like these are real physical toys yeah that you connect to your switch that have cameras on the front of them so you can race in a mario race Around your kitchen or your living room. Using like or your AR playroom. and physical, uh, um, what is it called? Like physical things you set up that I think I think are made of cardboard, actually. Yeah, it looks like they're made of cardboard. They're like yeah. little race gateways. So, yeah, it's Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. You can race around your home in a never-before-seen Mario Kart fashion. Feels, feels a little gimmicky, but I think, you know, this is aimed more at like... The families at home or kids and stuff like that, not really your Unfortunately, gaming, I think type. kids are going to really like this. Like, it's just yeah, such a yeah, cool right? novelty <laughs> that I bet it will sell well, but it's like, yeah. And it requires a Switch, I think, right? To That's play. correct. You need yeah. a Nintendo Switch to so, take boom, advantage of boom, there this. we go. Sell more Switches and uh, get into the kids when they're young. But yeah, as these are kind of drones, let's just switch it up and go with drones next instead of... The usual route like we get it. to drones, which is through like more photo uh, photography and cameras and stuff. But uh, you know, one thing is we did see is obviously DJI continues to kind of be on the will they be banned in the U.S. Um, or not? I'm really hoping they don't get completely banned. Right now, they're banned from being used by um, any U.S. government agencies, which. I'm not going to shill, you know, DJI's party, whatever line they're talking, their company line. I did talk with Brandon Shulman. I had a Zoom chat. I was lucky enough to chat with him at DJI Airworks, their online conference. And, you know, he obviously is going to be pro DJI and all the reasons why they should be still operating in the United States and invoke the kind of, uh, what is it, that consumers should have the right to choose type thing. That's what companies always do whenever they're facing bans and stuff. But I do see his point in that, like, you know, it's it does kind of seem crazy that uh, that you know DJI is getting railroaded so much when their drones could potentially really help a lot of industries, industries, especially like uh, the firefighting efforts that are going on in California right now, which you know they can't use DJI drones, and that's a lot of the drones they own. But maybe going forward, we will see some new drones going into use, specifically. This one by a company called uh, Teal, which just first off, before we talk about it, uh, let's just say that's $12,000. So that kind of puts it out of your price range. Oh, really? You found that? I, yeah, I, I found even that find online. The price. 
I was like looking yeah. on their website and it was that contact us form, no pricing, yeah. no details. Yeah. Well, you know, if they don't put the price on the website, it's super expensive. That's so true. And so I was able to find an article. It's about $12,000 for the drone and a suite of services that they pack wow. in with it. But it does look it up online. Uh, it's called the Golden Eagle. It's an American made drone and it's going to be used by the U.S. military. Um, interestingly, we did also see, I mean, yeah, specs wise, 4K with an infrared infrared camera. Interestingly, we did see Skydio actually get approval um, from the DOD, is that the Department of Defense? Yeah, from the DOD uh, for their drones to be used. And they, I think we talked about it briefly in a previous episode, but they have the Skydio, I think it's the X2 um, platform that's coming out, which looks really good again uh, with all these kind of more pro level, prosumer, not even prosumer, professional industry drones. Federal. Military. Yeah, well, in, for more for industry use, but you know, it's uh, always they look incredible, and then of course because they're not priced for consumers, their prices they're not trying to cut any corners. They're putting you know full prices on them because they know it's going to be footed by the U.S. government or some huge company. Right. So they can they can afford to charge twelve. So yeah, that will be very expensive, most likely. And uh, yeah, they'll they'll be flying around wherever U.S. Uh, government and U.S. Uh, uh, troops are and hey i think that's good potentially for a company like skydio to get some more money in and not you know get squeezed out by dji i do hope they keep making consumer drones though because even though i haven't used the skydio too it does look very promising it would be epic for outdoor adventures the other bit of drone news that i had here is walmart is starting to test drone delivery for household goods and groceries they're launching a small pilot program in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and they're using automated drones operated by the Israeli startup Flytrex. And yeah, I mean, this is like, it's real. It's happening. Like people are trying this. Do you think drone delivery services have a future, Gabe? What like? I think eventually, I think the main thing is we do have to see the U.S. government come out with some real concrete and the FAA come out some real concrete laws around drones, whether it's modernizing and digitalizing the whole airspace and how that's mapped and adding a layer for um you know beyond line of sight drones to be flown and uh what is it automated drones to be flown so maybe they you know it's 400 to 600 feet 400 800 feet that's the little airspace path for those drones to be flown and also to come out with a remote id law which you know the really sad thing unfortunately is with remote id for anyone who is a drone pilot and watching and waiting for that to be announced at the end of this year is it will probably be something that's very pro-industry. So, you know, it's made for Amazon, for Walmart, for these huge companies who just wants the U.S. government to release some regulation whatsoever. Like, they want something out there so that they can, you know, they'll jump through as many hoops, pay as much money as possible to be able to operate in the airspace. They don't care about consumers and, you know, individual pilots out there trying to fly drones or photographers and stuff who don't want to pay maybe. What if it's like, what if the government says, oh, you're going to have to pay $100 a year, a month for the service to fly? Like, that's that's not really feasible for small pilots or recreational pilots. But for Amazon, they don't really care at all. So that's exactly. that's just my little hot take uh, that I got from talking to Brendan Shellman about what the future of drones looks like in the industry. Interestingly, people do always talk about shipping and stuff, but there are a lot of uses uh, that they're being used uh, around the world and in this country, for example, even policing, which is uh, something uh, happening in Chula Vista, 
Look it up online. Very interesting test use case. Anyways, moving on to non-drone news. Uh, let's actually talk about TikTok because, yeah, that's, happening still ha- that's still happening. It's a clock. Tick. TikTok. Talk. Well, What's happening? We've, we've had a couple more buyers uh, jump into the ring potentially. One was Oracle who has no forward-facing uh, consumer platform whatsoever, so I don't think that's a good one. The other one we just briefly did mention Walmart was Microsoft, I know, has for a while been rumored to be in talks with TikTok about acquiring their U.S. and maybe North American operations. And now it looks like if that goes forward, it could potentially be in a partnership with uh, Walmart, sorry, and they would be putting up some money to, I don't know, it'd be interesting what form that would take because Walmart isn't really a tech company, but they're interested in TikTok because of the advertising opportunities, I think. So I think you're right. I don't know. It, yeah. it it seems weird for these larger stores to be interested in purchasing a social media platform. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't seem right. Yeah. But, but you know, we'll reach a sale at some point. That's or not. Maybe happen. TikTok will be banned and then uh you'll never be able to use it ever again. I really hope not. Honestly, I I am personally pushing kind of for Twitter to buy it a little bit. But I feel like I like Twitter, but also mainly not because I hate Twitter personally. <laughs> <laughs> it seems very toxic in a lot of ways, and right now TikTok. Speaking is of toxic, wholesome. Instagram. Has oh, you think Instagram out- is toxic? No, no, well, no, no, no. Well, their new suggested posts are. I want to poll. You- I want to poll on which is more toxic, Instagram or Twitter. I mean, it's definitely Twitter. People definitely, are like okay. the comments are just like volatile. All right, on continue Twitter. on. But what I was really trying to get at is uh, Instagram has rolled out a feature that when you've scrolled through your feed, you get that you're all caught up notification, and then you'll see suggested posts. And this is just the algorithm trying to keep you engaged and interested on the platform. And I don't know. I I think it's like- It should really say you're all caught up, which means we can't sell you any more ads. So we're going to send you some more posts so that you keep scrolling and we can sell more ads. Exactly. So I- that's that's what I dislike about it. It's um, yeah, it's just trying to keep your attention, and that's, I get that you're not like I want to be more mindful. I want to use my phone less. This is not no. I want like well, unfortunately, you using your phone less is bad for their bottom line. So this is so you forget know, it. Phone, yeah, use your phone more. It should be on. They're in the business of selling your attention to advertisers, and that's what they're gonna do. But there's also some good things about you know Instagram. You can share photos and videos, which. Let's actually, that was a horrible segue, but it is our last segment, our last area and category of news, and that is the photo and video segments of cameras and such. First off, the big news, we got the Panasonic S5, which we have the Canon R5, like the names are just getting too close together, but the Panasonic S5 should not be confused with the R5 because it is very much the budget entry-level vlogging aimed full-frame camera from Panasonic, kind of like the Sony a7 three i would say or what the a7 IV will eventually be and then the new nikon z5 r right yes gabe i yeah. want you to keep talking what tell me more what do we need to know about the s5 how much is it all right so first off two thousand dollars or more <laughs> more accurately nineteen hundred and ninety seven dollars and ninety nine cents uh this does come if you add another three hundred dollars on with a lens uh, which is a new 20 to 60 millimeter lens not the best lens honestly it's variable aperture i'm pretty sure it Uh, is variable aperture so that's not great but it's made to be super compact and lightweight 
And, you know, I don't know. I'm a bit torn on this uh, camera because it's kind of underwhelming after the A7S three and the R5 were released. But if you think about it, this is what most people are going to be buying if they're looking for a full frame camera for video and stuff. And in that regard, it's actually pretty exciting because this is better than, you know, the a7 III, which is kind of the previous $2,000 camera to buy. And it's better than the Z6 and Z5. So if, you know, the flagship cameras show what are going to be happening, you know, what's the future for cameras, this is kind of more accurately what's the now, what's reality for full frame mirrorless cameras. I think the only thing that disappointed me about this was Panasonic's autofocusing system is just not good. It's just not good. I, I I mean, I I would say that I think uh, it needs a lot wise, of improvement. It needs a lot of improvement, but I also would say I've had great experience with it. So I think it's really the type of thing you got to experience before we start talking about it not being good. You know, I definitely when I was using the GH five, it pulsed That's a, a lot. Three year old camera, four year old camera now. Yeah, but all right. Let's. Let's Panasonic not, let's not just, jump out ahead too much. They're on not it, is all I'm known saying. for their autofocus. They're not known for their autofocus, but what you're trading with that is you're getting a very affordable camera, very good specs. You're getting 14 plus stops of dynamic range, which is insane in a camera around $2,000. And you're also getting a flip around screen, which is why this is aimed at vloggers. Yes, I'll agree. This camera, you know, does have its shortcomings, but it's a $2,000 full frame mirrorless camera. And for that price, you can't really, can't really uh, quibble and, playing too much it depends what your shooting style is true I, Very I just true. i just need the autofocus to be locked so that's i was like excited and then disheartened Wait, just gotta don't, don't move around at all and then <laughs> just the stay rock will... steady i'm not yeah, moving exactly. i'm not moving i am right. a tree well uh moving on to the part i want to talk about which is gimbals what uh, do we have I for think... gimbals yeah, gimbals, you know, because one thing about the S5 was that it doesn't have uh, as good of stabilization as the S1 or the other Panasonic cameras. So maybe you're thinking about, I need to get a get gimbal for that. Right, and smooth everything out. Exactly. Get my vlogs looking like buttery nice smooth. Nice and cinematic. So first off, we had the little disappointing thing of DJI had previously teased that they were going to be announcing their new Ronin S2 on September 10th. They te teased out an image with 910 on it. And then, uh, like... A week before, they were like, uh, actually, no, we're going to tease out another image that says 20 or 2020 and then 10. So more like October. And, um, and we're going to tease that with two gimbals. So what it seems to be is that they're going to be releasing the Ronin S2 and then some other Ronin gimbal. This could be the Ronin SC2, but given that that gimbal is only a year old, it will probably be maybe that they'll do, you know, a Ronin S2 Pro and then a Ronin S2 regular or S2 Lite. But yeah, exciting to see those coming out because the Ronin S uh, was getting kind of old and, you know, looking a little out of date compared to the more fancy and newer gimbals from like uh, Zyun Tech and uh, Crane and Moza, stuff like that. But we also did get a new gimbal from DJI, but not for your uh, camera. You got it for no. your smartphone. Yeah. And this is a bit, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm torn on this gimbal. I mean, as someone, I own the DJI Osmo Mobile 3. I was pretty happy with it, honestly. And this new DJI Osmo Mobile 4 is 
essentially the same, except for all it offers is this little magnetic mount, which is very, I'll agree, it's very um, convenient and very user-friendly, where you just have it on the back of your phone, and then your phone magnetically snaps into place on the gimbal. That's awesome. But the problem is it's $150 for this gimbal right now, whereas the DJI Osmo Mobile 3 was originally $120 and now has dropped down to $100. So very affordable. My thoughts is that they released this gimbal uh, because they had a bunch of other stuff to release still later in the year, and they figured we can release it now for $150, put our Osmo Mobile 3 for a lower price, sell those out of stock, and then once those are out of stock, we'll drop this down to maybe $125. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it's a good gimbal. It's just, I think the pricing is weird and where Like, it's essentially the same. The only thing yeah. that's different is the magnetic clip, which is nice, but yeah. it's just not $150 nice. We also did get uh, Zyun Tech had some new gimbals, uh, two axis stabilizers. I don't even pay attention no, to any just, gimbal that's no, two axis stabilization. But in case you're looking for something else, look to Zyun Tech. Uh, they do make something cool called the Vimble which is like for vlogging selfies, it extends out. Kind of cool, uh, it has that feature, but no. All right, moving on. 75 bucks though for pricing, half the yeah, price. Yeah, all right, so definitely more affordable, but still really DJI knows where it's at for gimbals. Though Feutech is sending me a new gimbal, so maybe I gotta plug them too or something. I'm not really yeah. sure. Uh, moving on, let's talk about events coming up before we wrap up this podcast. First off, Sony. Oh, I'm so excited for this one. This caught me by surprise. Were you yeah. expecting this? I kind of was because I know they have a bunch of cameras on the on the slate and but I wasn't expecting it so soon, I got to say. So this is they have an event scheduled for September is it 15th? Is that right? You put down here? Yeah, September 15th. Gosh, it's At my birthday and so I, I get that time. event. I get that uh product whatever they're announcing too. Gabe, this is Sony giving back to you for they heard your song, the A7S 3 They missed the mark on that, and they're just trying to make it up to you with the Sony A7C coming out on your birthday. 2 a.m. London time. What we know about this, 24-megapixel sensor, 4K 30, body shape similar to the A6600. I believe it's full frame and has IBIS, and it's using USB Type-C. We don't really know... Uh, too much more about it they're, they're thinking the c start, stands for compact right i think yeah compact because it is smaller but full frame and it's looking like around 2100 euros for the body itself you kind of wonder though what is up like are they just going to get rid of the a7 line you know, like the a7 uh, 4 you know is that not going to exist or yeah like is this the a7 4 basically is it just yeah. like more compact I'm I'm not really sure, right? It's, we'll have to wait and see. Again, like, gosh, maybe next we week should is mention, be so good. We should mention this on, I guess, the uh, bonus episode we do for we'll Apple. Do two maybe two bonus we'll, episodes. We'll, we'll, no, we'll just do we'll just do a mini, just like a one minute. We'll segment. have a snackable segment. Okay, that's all. Have the Sony snackable segment. So I yeah, keep it. an eye out for that. The other thing we'll have to wait a little longer for, for, but honestly, is you know, as you know from past episodes, I love GoPro, and I've bought every camera they've released since the GoPro three. So long time in this ecosystem and the gopro 9 we've gotten some now uh we got leaks at first uh, you know a couple of image here there and then we finally the floodgates opened and we got the photos of the packaging which is usually what happens for gopro because their packaging is so you like you see those in stores all the time and it's so memorable 
And yeah, we got the packaging leaked. So now we do know the specs for this camera. The big thing, all right, first right off the bat, front facing screen finally, you know. DJI did it first and they were like, all right, yeah, we finally got to do it. I was a little skeptical about it. I don't think it's very useful for at first. All right, sorry, let me correct my English. I didn't think it was very useful at first. I have since seen my ways and I will go back, uh, you know, and, and I'll correct the record. I think they are now useful, uh, not only for when you're recording selfie style vlogs and stuff, but a lot of times, like I will put my camera up in places to get like a time lapse for something or just to capture, you know, like in the corner of a room on the wall or high up or just places you can't see the screen behind, maybe low at the ground. And being able to have that front facing screen is potentially a really easy way to quickly see uh, what, what your device is recorded. Granted, all these devices have Wi-Fi, so if you really need it, you can just slap your phone in, uh, into the app and get into um, the, you know, the viewfinder mode and see what it actually sees. But otherwise, interestingly, this GoPro 9 will feature 5K recording uh, in 30 frames a second, which, yeah, this uh, if for those who don't know, GoPro kind of does this with their cameras in that they like slowly incrementally up the resolution over time so it'll be like oh now we kind of offer like it was really interesting originally with the gopro 3 i think it was they offered 4k but at five or 15 frames a second <laughs> so it wasn't really useful at all but now with this one at least they're doing when they're jumping up from 4k they're doing 5k at 30 frames a second it's going to be a 20 megapixel sensor and the big news is the fact that the battery is getting bigger uh it's going to be about 42 percent bigger which Hey, I'll never complain about them extending the battery life on any device. It needs it. For an action camera, that makes a big difference. And with the front-facing screen, that could use more batteries. So it's great to have that extra juice in there ready to go. Uh, but yeah, I what makes me excited is having the extra resolution often makes it easier for algorithms in the camera to add stabilization. And so it looks like this is going to have HyperSmooth 3.0. I'm expecting that to look really, really good coming off of this yeah. camera. Yeah, HyperSmooth 3.0 and I think Time Warp or 3.0 is the other one. And the thing I'm a little hesitant about is I have liked the nighttime photo capabilities and video capabilities, or at least time-lapse capabilities of these cameras. And, uh, you know, the we always see when you go with a higher uh, resolution sensor, especially due to the fact that the GoPro sensor is so small, you know, unlike, you know, with the Sony a7 yeah, you can have a 24 megapixel sensor uh, or even, you know, 42 on the A7 um, R3 or 4 and and still get good nighttime photos. But with a smaller sensor, is that going to be possible? I don't know. I hope so. It's not that we big of a so. jump. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, such yeah. an exciting episode. A lot of it is wait and see, but that's what that's what makes me excited for the future and what it has in store. For Techtober, we're already there. Let's just start it now. <laughs> Either way, that's going to be it for this episode. Please give this episode a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We really appreciate it. You can follow us at pinch to zoom pod on Twitter, at pinch to zoom podcast on Instagram. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And we're super excited to be talking to you next week in our special bonus episode. All right, take care. Oh, that was a long episode. No outro. Kill the outro. This is it. End the episode. It's too long. I can't believe it broke. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> this was a low moment for my life, literally. When I, my stool that I was sitting on completely I always, shattered and <laughs> fell apart. <laughs>